And we're going to jump into the word and we're going to continue in our series on faith. And I'm going to talk about faith to father because it takes a lot of faith to father. Well, before we jump into the passage, we're going to be looking at first Timothy chapter one, verse 18. But I want to say that uh, this topic of fatherhood is, is a sticky one. It's a difficult one, even though it was never intended to be that way. Um, there's no way to get around the impact that a father has on every single one of us. Whether that was in, impact that was made through his, in, his impression or impact that was made through a lack of impression by him. In First Chronicles chapter 5, um, and all around First Chronicles, last week I, I talked about genealogies. I want to go back to genealogies just for a second because one of the unique things that's interesting to me is that everybody's defined as a son of their father. And I don't think that's just because it was a patriarchal society and that it's, I think God was, was leaving an Easter egg in there for us because there was going to be a time that people didn't value fathers. And he was saying that your fathers are going to leave a mark on you that nobody else can leave on you because of how I've designed things to work. Now I want to hasten to say that the mark that fathers are supposed to leave should be a reflection, an imprint of the love, the compassion, and the heart of God. Unfortunately, because of a lot of, a lot of factors, sin being the greatest of them, many of us are impacted by absenteeism or abuse. And so when we talk about fatherhood and we talk about God as being father, there's a little bit of something in you that rises up and says, no, thank you. I've, I've been there, done that. Don't want to go there again. I don't need another father. One was too bad already. But what we have in God is a father who is perfect, whose love is gentle, is fierce, it's passionate, it's never ending, it's never ceasing. It's according to, it's, it's according to what's best, not just, not just by his standards, but what's actually best for us. And that can be difficult to understand sometimes because we, we think we're doing the right thing and it turns out to be the wrong thing. And so when we even hear about God doing the right thing, for us, it's like, but, but this doesn't feel right. And I thought I was doing what was right and it was wrong. The good news is God doesn't ever do what was wrong. Amen. And so we have confidence in the love of God and the faithfulness of God. I want to say that if you've had an absent or abusive dad, the way to receive the love of the Heavenly Father is first to release Anger and bitterness toward your earthly father. To fully receive the love of our heavenly father, you have to let go of the pain, your right to hold on to your, your frustration, your sorrow, your anger towards what was done wrong towards you. Now that's not done just in a vacuum. And I understand that I'm speaking now to really sensitive things and things that I don't know of. And, and I acknowledge that. But it, that's why we exist in a family the way that we do so that we can walk with one another through this and we can figure out how to do that together. Fatherhood is God's idea and therefore we need to align every idea that we have about fatherhood with God's idea for fatherhood, what his plan was, what his purpose is and, 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 and ultimately how we execute those, that plan and that purpose. It's, it's according to his ways, according to his love. And so we don't have a right to just define it for how we want to define it or change the definition if we don't like how it's going. Our fathers impact us, some for the negative, some for the positive. 
And we have to accept that. God didn't make any mistakes in putting you where he made you. So we need to acknowledge that as part of our loving father's plan for your life. And so I just, I feel like even before I jump into the rest of this sermon, I want to invite you to pray with me. Um, And for anybody who's ready, I understand you might not be ready. This might be the first step of of coming towards forgiveness. Uh, But I I want to invite you to pray with me so that we can hear the rest of this message, the rest of this message well. Father, it's, it's my heart's cry this morning that we would, we would see you more clearly than we've seen you and we would understand your plan for fatherhood better than we've ever understood it. There are those in this room today and people who are represented in the room today that have been hurt deeply by their earthly fathers. So God, I ask that you would give us the courage and the power to forgive, to release them so that we can fully embrace the love that you have for us and the plan that you have for us. Father, I ask that for each one of us, wherever we are, that you would meet us in that place and you would afford us the privilege of experiencing a greater measure of your care and love today. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to go in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 today. If you could stand with me for the reading of Scripture. What I want you all to do is to read verse 18, and then I'm going to keep reading, just so we can put this verse in context. Okay, so, so let's read this together. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies you previously made about you, that by them may wage good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hemonias and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would awaken our hearts and our minds, our souls to the reality of your kingdom and your purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You see why I read that second part. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like, I could do this sermon without verse 18, but I thought, you know, let's go ahead and go there. Um, Paul is, is writing to Timothy and he's warning Timothy. He's like, Timothy, son, you've got to get in, in line. And you need to know what the standard is so that you don't veer off. Son, these are some guardrails that I'm putting up for you so you don't cream off into a ditch without even realizing it. And so here's what the standard is. So he's providing this charge and he's writing this letter to let Timothy know the things that he needs to know so that he can fight the good fight and he could wage good war and so that he can stand firm for the faith without without veering off. Because like I said before, sometimes we think we know what's right and then we realize later it was wrong. And so Paul's telling Timothy, he's like, hey, I know what's right. This is what's right. Stay in it so that you don't, so that you don't veer off. Part of the reason I chose to do this passage today is because uh, Paul is not Timothy's biological father. He's not his biological father. And there is a great need in our society today for men to step up to the plate and to father children, not just that are their own, but also children who are not their own. Our, our culture is hungry, desperate for righteous, in, in, uh, righteous men to stand up to father a generation. 
men of integrity and men of character, men of value, to stand up and to provide fatherhood. Now, the word patriarch is, is a word that in, in, in the church we should love. Right? We refer to Abraham and that whole generation. They are the patriarchs, the fathers of the faith. But when we talk about patriarchy and society, it's got kind of a connotation, doesn't it? Because of the, the abuse and the absenteeism or the abuse of power or the various things, we hear patriarchy and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But it shouldn't have that response. And, and when it has that response, something that was once supposed to be a road sign to the glory and the goodness and the loving kindness of our God becomes a broken road sign. Instead of a sign that so clearly points and says this way to God, it, what we have is a, a broken sign on the ground and we're like, we need to find God. And so we have this broken road sign related to fathers and leading and patriarchs and patriarchy and, and, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. What, what should, what was in God's heart and what is in God's dream for us is that that would stir feelings of affection and, and hope and joy and, and a sense of protectedness and in a sense that I'm going to be provided for and I'm going to be cared for no matter what comes my way. I'm going to be all right because my father's taking care of me. But I want to talk uh, mostly from verse 18 today. And I want to highlight that we need faith as fathers to express, to entrust, and to empower. This first idea about fathers express is not stated in this passage, but it's stated because of the passage. Uh, sometimes the most obvious thing in a passage is the thing that, the thing that we miss. For example, that this stuff happened 2,000 years ago. That Paul wrote this letter 2,000 years ago. It's, it's, we, it's true, but we don't read that it's true in the passage that we're reading, right? He doesn't say, it doesn't say 2,000 years ago, Paul said this to Timothy. It just says what he said to Timothy. So we can take the context for granted. One of the contextual things that I think we could take for granted here is that Paul is communicating to Timothy. We need to use words, gentlemen. It's going to take some faith. All the dads go, we need to use words. It doesn't matter what kind of words, how you use, it matters what kind of words. (laughs) What I meant to say, was it doesn't matter how you choose to use the words. If, you're, if you've got to write it down, if you're going to speak it, if you're going to whisper it, if you're going to do it on a golf course, if you're going to do it on a hunting trip, if you're going to do it at a, at a concert, if you're going to do it in the car as you drive, if you're going, when you do it at the dinner table, but we must use words. There's this thing, it's called the curse of knowledge. And the curse of knowledge is that we don't understand well as people what it's like to not know something once we know it. So it's, it's trying to think about something from the perspective of somebody who doesn't know. So fathers, what we have is the curse of knowledge. We know that it's a bad idea to stick your finger in an outlet. <laughs> little Johnny doesn't know that yet, which is why little Johnny's so bent on shoving everything he can find into the outlet. It's the curse of knowledge. You have it and he doesn't, and you can't figure out why he keeps doing it because he doesn't know yet. And he's not going to know. You could either scare him from those little things, right, by grunting, or, or we could use words and teach and explain. Now, there's not, well, I'm not saying teach and explain every single moment. Sometimes shouting at your kid because they're running out, and you gotta shout at your kid. Yeah. Right? Like. <laughs> just 
<laughs> that was the only honest. <laughs> that was the only honest man in the room. <laughs> uh, earlier this week, I was fishing with my kids. We went to a, a late. We were taking some vacation, and and one of my kids started slipping, and I and I snatched my child, like because they were falling, and my kid was mad at me because I scared them, and it was like you were falling into the lake. I'm sorry, I scared you, but there are sharks in there. <laughs> and they will eat you. And daddy was... <laughs> but our kids might not understand, but we need, well, we need, we need to use words. I'm going to move on just for, for, for time. By the way, today's sermon is going to be very short, but please don't feel like you missed out on church because there was a sermon in both of those baptisms. And you, right? There, there was a sermon better than anything I can communicate going on up here on stage as we baptized those people and as we had worship together and Pastor Donnell's exhortation. And, right? So, so don't, don't feel like, oh, man, I got ripped off. The sermon was short. Some of y'all are like, thank God it's going to go short. I'm trying to get to, <laughs> trying to go buy myself some Father's Day lunch. <laughs> it was real subtle. Got some socks to open. Fathers in trust. So as you're speaking, you're not just talking to hear yourself speak, but we're, we're talking to entrust something to them. Paul says, Paul says, um, I entrust, I charge, where'd it go? He says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy. And there's an entrusting. This entrusting is, when you think about entrusting something, he's not just commanding, he's not just telling, he's not saying this is just the way it's going to be. There is a time for that in parenting. But there's also times, our job as fathers is to impart the values and to align a lifestyle and to say, son, this is the way that we go, walk in it. And I'm going to entrust you with the secret sauce of life as I understand it. Now this is the Hermes recipe in the Hermes house. And the Perkins have a secret recipe and there are some, there are some similarities between the Hermes recipe and the, and the, and the Perkins recipe because of this that we have in common, because of the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit and through the scripture, right? So we have these, these similarities in it, but the expression of it's a little bit different. We make mac and cheese a little different, but this is how the Hermes make mac and cheese. Now, I don't make, yeah, like you guys started making some assumptions about the mac and cheese. I saw some nodding. We don't do craft mac and cheese in my house. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. We don't have time for that today. But it's a, it's a family recipe. Pastor Sean won't tell me, her, her husband won't tell me the, the, the recipe for his fried turkey. Won't tell me. It's a Perkins thing. It's a Perkins secret. That's the way they do it. So I came up with my own way. And I'm like, this is how we do chicken in the Hermes house. Not telling anybody. It's our secret. But there is a way, and we've got to entrust them with it. It's, it's bringing them close and serving something to it is the, is the word in the, in the Greek that's, that's being used. It's to serve something closely, to offer it up, and to say, here, come this way. This is how we do it in our family. This is the way that we express our love to God. This is the way that we, uh, this is the way that we, we have relationship. And so there are four primary ways, and I owe the alliteration to Pastor Donnell Jones from our DC church who's, who's speaking next week. But here are four areas of life that we need to entrust our children with some values. We need to do it with our faith. Not just that I believe in God, but who is God and how is God? If you don't tell your child, the media will. If you don't figure out the answer to this question, the whole rest of the world is pleased to define this on your behalf. 
I had a neighbor one time who's like, I'm not going to tell my kid what to believe because I want him to make his own choice. And it's like, your kid wants to eat dirt. Why is that a good idea to let your kid decide? He was a little kid. He wasn't like 20. <laughs> Why are you going to let your child decide this when they can't, even, they can't even make a good decision about dinner? They can't even make a good decision about snack. Why would you let? And so I was like, that's cool. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell them for you. He's like, what, what? Like, hold up. I'm not telling him, so you can't tell him. And it's like, sorry, buddy, that's not how it works. If you don't tell your child what to believe and how to believe, everybody else will because they're not as shy. And so we need to, we need to carry this responsibly well, this responsibility well, that we teach our kids about our faith. And there's some commands in the, in, in Deuteronomy about as you go and as you walk and along the way, tell your children. So I'm not saying you have to wake your kid up and have a three hour Bible study with them in the morning. What I'm saying is as you're driving to school in the morning, it's like, Hey, you know what I read in the Bible this morning? I read this about Psalms. I read that David was troubled. And he cried out to God for help. And God showed up on the scene. Isn't that great? So you can make it through this science test. Let's cry out to God for help. Right? Oh, there's a bully in your neighborhood. David knows a little something about bullying. Let's go into the scripture. Let's, let's figure out what the Bible says about how to deal with bullies. And it's not to get a sling and a stone. I know somebody thought of that. <laughs> but I will say that he taught him all this so that he could fight. We'll move quickly, but family. We need to teach our kids about family. Now, we need to use words, but our words had better match our actions. And so sometimes you'll figure out when you're saying something, you're like, oh, I got to change my, change my action. Be sensitive to that. Don't become callous to that because they need both. It's interesting to, to, you know, like, to, you know, what sticks out to you more if I say yes? No? A little confusing? Not so much? <laughs> so our lifestyle needs to match the words that we use. And so as you think about what's in your child's best interest, as you think about the trajectory of their life, think about the trajectory of your life also as you share these things with them. And that's important. The way that you teach them about family, we're teaching them about marriage. We're teaching them about the value of children. We're teaching them about the value of life. We're teaching them about the value of relationships. My family doesn't stop at the, at my wife, my children and my, my parents. And my, my family is, this is, this is my family. We talked about that last week about spiritual family. I've got a spiritual family. And so when I teach my kids about family, they, they've got aunts and uncles who aren't related to us by, by blood. They're not related to us by, you know, by, by marriage. They're, they're related to us, well, by the blood of Jesus. So uh, just to keep moving, um, there's this, this fitness. Dang. Right? I almost didn't write this one because I felt really convicted about it. But I might as well talk about it. Our kids are going to learn about fitness from us. They're going to learn about our physical health, right? Are you driving yourself to burnout? How, what are you eating? How are you eating? Are you exercising? You know, we had a, we had a young man stay with us one time who um, lived in our house for, for a season of time before he got married just because he, he felt like, I just need to see a healthy family. And it was, it was funny. This, this young man, every day, he would he'd make vegetables and meat. And I'm like, this is so peculiar. Like, what are all those vegetables? Right? And, and he'd be like, he'd walk home, he'd come in the house and, and eat an apple and just be so like, so happy about it. And I'm like, I'm like, 
I just, I totally didn't get it. We ate vegetables in my house, but, but I mean, like he was like, I was like, I've tried to eat vegetables like that. It's very, very hard for me. turns out his, his parents just made him do it growing up. And then once he moved out of the house, he just, he was just doing it. So he adopted his parents' stuff on, on accident. He didn't even realize it was happening. It was so much about, uh, it was so much a part of who he is. He's just doing it. And that's the way it is with our fitness. So we gotta, we gotta use words about fitness. This is why we don't eat this. This is why we do eat this. It's not just a bunch of omissions, right? Part of entrusting is saying what we do, not just what we don't do. And our finances. Our finances. Your kids are seeing how you spend your money. And they're seeing what you value. Really, finances, you just talk about values. They, 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 know, they know what you value. Have you ever heard those, uh, like those kids, they fill out those surveys at school, what does mommy say a lot? What does mommy do a lot? Have you seen these? It's like really can be really funny and it can be really tragic and it can be really honest and painful, right? Or what does daddy do? What does daddy say? You know, daddy, what does daddy always say? Stop it, right? Or what does daddy say? I love you, right? What does daddy say? What does daddy say about fitness, gentlemen? What does daddy live about fitness? Now, I'm not saying that you have to, you have to get a membership at the gym and kill yourself and, and, and you know, get all jacked and ripped, you know. But, but I am, what I am saying is that you need to consider that. That needs to be a part of the discipleship that you offer to your children. I'll say it this way. It is a part of what you offer to your children, whether or not you do it on purpose or on accident. Yeah. And that's true for all of these things. There's, there's some evidence that says that the, uh, the, the health of the father at the time of conception is actually significant as well. So if you're a young man, go ahead and get, get in shape. If you want to be a father someday, go ahead and be in shape. Because when it's time for conception, uh, that, that'll be affected by, by your health now. All of this is so that he could fight a good fight. And Paul wanted him to be able to fight smarter, not harder. He wanted to teach him how to use the momentum of the enemy. He wanted him to teach him how to hold on to truth and how to share truth with everyone else. The last thing I want to say is that fathers in power. In this case, Paul is empowering Timothy to t- by telling him which battle is worth fighting and how to fight that battle. He says, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. Paul's thought for Timothy was that it's more important that I remind you what God has said about you than anything that I'm able to say about you. In order to do that, gentlemen, we need to know what God is saying about ourselves and what God is saying about our family, what God is saying about our children. That's done by humbling ourselves in prayer, by reading the word and living in community with one another so that we can test these ideas and wrestle with things together and so that we can tune our hearing to know what God is saying in our home. You don't have to wait for somebody else to come in and speak about what's happening to your children, but God's going to give you insight to, to, to shepherd, to pastor, to lead, to care for, to disciple, to train your children in your home. But we need to have ears tuned to him. And that's hard to do, isn't it? In the midst of the, the, the wrestling and the, the meals and the, in, in the vegetable fights, vegetable wars, right? That, that could be its own reality TV show, getting a kid to eat lunch or dinner with a vegetable on it or like where the food touches <laughs> like be tough but but gentlemen we need to know God well enough that we can introduce our children to God and we can tell them and we can teach them to tune their ears to what God is saying about them and what he has said about them it wasn't his own ideas but it was God's idea 
for him. And if, you're, if your son or daughter has never received a prophecy, just ask somebody to tell you about your kids. Ask a man or woman of God, can you tell me about what you see in my kid's life? Tell me what you see. Can you pray for my kid and tell me what you see about my child? And see what happens. That's something we don't do enough. That's something we don't do enough. They'll have insight to your kids. One of the most precious gifts I've received is um, we've had a number of different people live in our home that we've, that we've discipled, that we brought into our home to love on them, to father them, to, to care for them. Even as, even as a younger man than I am now, we were able to do it because there's such a void in our culture. But each of these young men, as they've been through our house, have been able to tell me about my family in a way that I didn't see it. They'd say, hey, I love how that kid does this. And I'm like, what? My kid does do that. Hey, I love, I love the way your kid does that. That's pretty extraordinary. One of the people told me, he said, David, your kids have the gift of escalation, the spiritual gift of escalation. <laughs> and he said, I think they received that from you. And I was like, what's the spiritual gift of escalation? And he said, well, we were fighting in the front yard. We were playing, like wrestling and stuff. And um, we, were, we were wrestling and your son, he ran away. And so I, I thought he was beat. I thought I had him. And it turns out he, he was running to get the neighbor's Jeep and he was driving it out on the yard and he was going to run me over. <laughs> and he had weapons in the Jeep. So if the Jeep didn't get me, he was going to clean me up. But that, but that insight into my son gave me in, insight that I needed to be able to, to, to train him up well. And, and honestly, it was like, son, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Don't hold anything back. Destroy that man. (laughs) Daddy's baseball bat is behind the tire. Go give it a shot. He's a big guy. He could take it. (laughs) It's only mostly true. Gentlemen, we have such a great privilege to steward this gift of God called children. And it's costly. It's costly to your, your dreams. It's costly to your finances. It's costly to your hobbies. But it's all worth it. It's worth giving your life for. It's worth giving your money for. It's worth giving your sleep for. It's worth laboring in prayer for. It's worth fighting the good fight. It's worth standing. If you've been an absent or an abusive dad, it's not too late to train. It's not too late to change. You know, I know that there are all sorts of different family arrangements in our church. Some of you are, are living with your children. Some of you aren't, but that doesn't keep you from being a good father to your children. If your children aren't living with you, you're going to have to use more words than anybody else. You're going to have to wear out that phone. You're going to have to wear out that text. You're going to have to wear out the snail mail to get those words to those children so that they can hear it and know it and see it on a regular basis. For those of you that aren't dads yet, it's something to shoot for. Now is your time to prepare. Become the man that's worthy of stewarding God's great gift of children. And for those of you that are fathers and you're in the fog of war and you're like, I just don't even know which way to go, let's just, let's just pick one thing. Just pick something. 
and go home and, and you know, from these different categories, what, what, can I, what can I teach my kids about the faith? How can I engage my children on faith? And now our kids in, in elementary, they're bringing back these sheets that'll help you have a conversation with your kids so you don't even have to come up with it. And you'll learn it as you go through it with them. It's helpful, it's valuable. Pick something about finances and just instruct them, train them, talk to them about what's important. It's your right. It's your responsibility. And if you don't, somebody else will. And even, I said it at the parenting panel, I'll say it again, even if it's weird and turns out to be wrong, it's your responsibility and it's your right. There's this movie, The Big Fat Greek Wedding. Anybody know it? Was it too long ago? You know, this father's convinced that Windex fixes everything. You know, and it's like, it's kind of trippy. It's kind of weird, pretty strange. But he has that right. And that's his secret sauce. So if it's Windex, or if it's reading your Bible backwards, if it's putting one hand up in the air during worship, or if it's putting like a half hand and a half pocket hand, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, both hands, you know, you're free. Reggie, can you go ahead and come up? You know, whatever it is for you, just, just, that's what we're depositing to our children. But I guess the point I want to make today is one way or another, you're leaving a mark on your children. You're making a mark on society by how you make that mark on your children. Let's make it intentional and let's make it the handprint of God. Not an imprint of frustration or anger or sorrow or something of our own making. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Oh, for everything that's happened today, God, we rejoice in those baptisms. God, we celebrate what you've done in their lives and I thank you for what you've done in ours and what you desire to do. I pray for every father in this room that you would strengthen them, that you would inspire them, you would encourage them, God, that you would lift them up, lift up their eyes to see who you are and what your plan is and give them the courage, the faith, the strength to communicate that to their families. Give them the the faithfulness to endure through difficulty. Give them the courage to fight the good fight of faith so their kids can know what it means to fight, what it means to stand, and what it means to endure.